it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have a special episode. Today, we are going to talk to Brian Evans, who is a founder, investor, and Inc. 500 entrepreneur. He is a very busy guy. He's been investing in Web3 and crypto, AI, and all kinds of fun stuff. So this is going to be a really fun conversation. And uh, I'm going to pre-warn everyone, if you guys are into crypto or know more about Web3 than me, which is just about everybody, I might ask a couple of dumb questions here or there. So just for that, just a forewarning for everything. So Brian, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come talk to us and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right. So let's start with why did you get into crypto and what is crypto? Yeah, so... I was running a marketing agency in a, what now feels like a previous life here in LA and in other places doing PR campaigns and user acquisition campaigns for celebrities and, and mobile apps and games and, and all sorts of things. And just, you know, after a while, after having hundreds of clients and many, many, many people working for us, I just realized like I didn't like that model of, okay, more clients, more employees, more employees, more employees. It just became a rat race to me. I and mean, it's not what I wanted. So I basically rage quit the agency, exited out of that and was literally just taking meetings with people and just seeing what everyone was up to to had done well with the agency. And here in LA, I had a lunch with somebody through a business partner and it was the weirdest lunch. We sat down and the guy comes up to me and says, okay, well, take everything you have, sell it and buy Ethereum. And I was like, what is Ethereum? I had heard of Bitcoin, but I thought Ethereum, it sounds like some virus or something. Like, am I, <laughs> you know, it's like some radioactive material. Um, so I remember looking, I remember texting like 10 times or so, what felt like 10 times asking, how do you spell it? I can't find it anywhere. What is it? It was on one exchange in the US at the time. This is right after the, the ETH ICO. 
Ethereum is, if anyone doesn't know, it's the second biggest uh, crypto token by market cap and bought a bunch of it at the time. It was a couple bucks. The investment is, has paid off pretty well. So it got me hooked on this crypto world. And I was writing for sites like Forbes and Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine, others like that, and, and looking for content, right? So I was thinking, wow, this through my own writing, I sort of convinced myself, I need to buy more of this. This has a really interesting use case. This, this actually could be really something. And it was one of the first times I had so much conviction in something that I realized, huh, I guess I could be, you know, in hindsight, right? But um, I guess I could be an investor. I could start investing in things more. Uh, and I hadn't invested into too much in sort of the Web2 world. In the moment there that made me realize that this is something different is I remember trying to invest into things in the Web2 world. And it was so difficult. You need to know somebody. You need to be an accredited investor. You got to go through some process. Very confusing and difficult. How do you even find these things? Um, there's no marketplace per se, you know, for people that don't have a fortune, or a name. And then I realized with crypto, wait, anyone can just go on here and like buy this. And it's all of them. You can buy all of them. It's not some of them. It's all of them. And I realized, wow, this kind of democratizes access to things. So that was one of the realizations. The other one was the, you know, it feels like the, the stereotypical, this has actually happened to me. I walked into my bank one day, and this has happened on multiple occasions, but I remember one specific case, walking into the bank and saying, I need to transfer $10,000 to Singapore. And they said, Singapore? Do you know these people? You know, do you, can you show us the contract? You know, let's slow down a minute, sir. And it's like, wait a minute, isn't this my money? Why am I selling you on why I should be able to send my money? And then it gets flagged. I got to go to some other branch. And there's just this huge nightmare to send 10 grand for a clearly obvious business transaction that should not have been a problem. It ends up taking, you know, seven days on top of that business days to even get there after they've approved it. And it's just scratching your head like, it's got to be a better way to do this. And then, you know, you discover crypto and stable coins now and other things where you can just, boop, there you go, Dave, you got your crypto. <laughs> it's transferred. You have it two seconds later or 20 seconds later. So those two things in particular really stood out to me. And there's other things like video game and more that we can talk about. But those two particular things really interested me about it. That's cool. So I worked at Wells Fargo four years as a banker. And that scenario that you were walking through, I've been there. I was the banker on the other yeah. side having to try to yeah. talk people. And the reason why, I'm not going to lie, in my head, I thought, this is really dumb. This person wants <laughs> to spend money. Why am I having to go through all these steps yeah. to talk them out of it? But yeah. Yeah. after I started doing some international uh, wires, especially countries like Japan, they were so complicated. You know, it was almost like, yeah. please don't ask me to do this. <laughs> yeah. And there's, yeah. As you know, so many intermediaries and oh. ways that it can go wrong, especially with oh, international terrible. transfer. Then, then, oh. then I've had cases before where the money is sent, but then it's not received. Yes. And then they're I like, where is it? How do you track yeah. it? And it's like, oh, yeah. As the sender, I have, can't do anything. I don't have access to these tools to track it. Right. Whereas on a blockchain, I can go up, oh, there it is. It's in this wallet, it goes here, it goes there. Whereas the banking world, it's like, you know, it's like the crazy guy at the whiteboard, like, okay, it moved here and went through this system here. It's yeah. like, what the heck is going on here? Why do we have this convoluted system? Oh, yeah. It was so complicated. And one of the recipients didn't get the money. And, uh, you know, yeah. it took probably three or four days of my time trying to track down where it went and talking to this person and that person. And this bank tells me this and this bank tells me that. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it was an adventure for sure. Yeah, for sure. You, you can see why that crypto can solve some of these problems. It's, uh, of course, the banks don't want it, right? The banks want to collect the fees and do the way they've been doing for the longest time, right? Right. So it's kind of like, of course, you know, 
Blockbuster is not going to advocate for Netflix, but it's happening whether they like it or not. Right. You talked about Web 2 and we talked a little bit about Web 3. What exactly are those? I've heard the terms thrown around, but I've never really known what those really are. The simplest way I've come to think about it is Web. the first version of the internet was sort of read-only. Second version of the internet, Web 2, I call it. You can write, you can send things out there, connect with people, social media, clouds. The third level through the internet to me, Web3, is own, this idea of ownership. You can own and at things like NFTs, which can represent anything from an image to a game character or property, um, or you can own the, ass- the crypto assets, tokens, things like that, or many other things. But sort of Web2 world, think centralized, think fully Everything's owned by one of 10 companies in the world, you know, even games, you know, games from clouds, everything. It's just owned by some centralized company. The idea of Web3, the promise of Web3 is that you, the consumer or businesses as well, can own something, own a piece of that, a character in a game again. Digital artists from Web3, here's a simple way to think about this. In the Web2 world, a digital artist, right? I could draw amazing digital art piece and everyone can just save it and everyone has a copy of it. It's not necessarily, unless I'm going to enforce the IP through the court system and that kind of thing, which is an absolute nightmare. It's going to be very hard to like store, to have value in that. In web three, it's on the blockchain. It's verified that this is the one of one. Think about this. The the Louvre in Paris has verified that the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa. So that's how the previous world worked. This is the Mona Lisa. That's why it's worth millions or billions of dollars. And this is the one-of-one one art piece. And in the digital world, there hasn't really been a way to do that. because everyone can kind of save it, screenshot it, things like that, until a blockchain existed. The blockchain is like the verifier. It says, hey, this is the art piece. This is, this is Dave or Andrew's original drawing. And, you know, this one is the real one. And then you can, I can send that to you and prove that that's the real one. And that, that's why you're seeing these art pieces, NFTs go for hundreds, thousands, millions, in some cases of dollars, um, because you can actually verify which one is the original and that stores the value. Just like a knockoff Rolex or something. You know, it's like, think of the fact that the one that's really valuable is the real one. So you want to have the values in the real one. So the blockchain has enabled that. So Web3 does these things. Video games is another category. In the Web2 world, you played a game created by a centralized game maker, you spend your money, you buy the skins for the characters, guns, and the the character, gold, other items you spend money on, but it's all locked into the centralized system. You you can't take anything out. It's actually illegal in their terms of service to sell anything. Can't sell your character, you'll be banned. So in Web 2, it's the idea is the company makes all the money, you get nothing, you spend all the money, and you can't sell anything. It's all locked into there. The idea of Web 3 is you can own stuff. You spent 10 years building your World of Warcraft character, you can own that. Or not that game, but the Web3 versions of these games that are coming out. We're building a Web3 game that'll do some of these things called Alpha District. But there's many games out there. There's Star Atlas, Alluvium, Big Time, many others that are playing in this space idea of own the characters, own the items, where you're spending money, so why not own a piece of that? So video games is a big category. And when Vitalik created Ethereum, again, the second biggest crypto that has enabled all these NFTs and all this stuff, there was an analogy of him playing some video games and getting coming up with the idea of a smart contract from an in-game world and saying, ah, this in-game world is kind of like a smart contract where it has a set of rules. You can sort of build upon it. 
but it's got these rules that you can play within and you can build on top and do things. And then these smart contracts were created with Ethereum. Um, so it's a great use case for blockchain technology, amongst many others. What's the best way to steward your wealth? Looking to find great businesses with a margin of safety? My advice, Value Spotlight at valuespotlight.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, that's cool. So my mind's blowing a little bit. So these games, does this kind of stuff exist on Bitcoin as well? Or is Ethereum the majority or the only blockchain where this kinds of things are being built? There's several blockchains that our games are building on. Ethereum, Polygon, Immutable X. There's many that game builders are building on. With games, you need a lot of, you need to be able to do a lot of transactions very fast, very cheap. Ethereum itself isn't used widely for games, but there's layer twos upon Ethereum. Polygon, for instance, is used pretty heavily in gaming. And the idea there is you can go faster, cheaper with a layer two than you can a layer one. Because you don't want to be playing a game and like you're running a small transaction, it's 20 bucks and takes a couple minutes on Ethereum, maybe, or you know, even seconds. But whereas the layer twos can process that for pennies, if that, and go a little bit faster. So there's there's many chains that are trying to, you know, 
and there's a fight over it. It's a turf. They're really realizing that gaming is such a big category. And here's something else interesting. Games actually drive adoption to blockchains. It's not even just the other way around. Because DeFi Kingdoms is a project that I know of. They were on a TV show that I was in, The Next Crypto Gem. They were a contestant. And what I realized about them, for instance, is they create hundreds of millions of transactions for blockchains. And they go blockchain to blockchain. And they build a marketplace, a exchange, a liquidity pool, all these different tools that are, exist in the decentralized finance world of crypto. And they put a game on top of it. So people come in, they say, oh, this is a cool game. Hey, did you realize your character is an NFT? Hey, did you realize that that weapon over there is an NFT? Oh, did you realize that gold is a token? And you're like, oh, wow, cool. So you're learning about blockchains. And in the meantime, they're driving adoption. So they, just like a game expands to different zones, they go to a different blockchain. And there's other ones. This is not just one project. They go to another blockchain and say, okay, we're going to build all the tools on your chain and build another game. And they do that. And this is a way that you can bring fun to a blockchain and teach people about what's happening, get adoption, hundreds of millions of transactions some of these games are driving to blockchains. And game makers are onto this. And there's actually a bigger reason, right? If you played games, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, single player games, you play for a while, you die, game over, right? Go get dinner, go do something else, your game is over. Then they said, well, let's keep it going. You know, let's let you play with, you guys can play it. We can play together. We can play Call of Duty or some other game where we can keep playing games forever. Or I can play single player. I can play Candy Crush or, you know, Flappy Birds or something like that. And just there's this infinite level. You can't beat them all. And you just keep going forever. You can spend money now. You can keep going. So then they thought, okay, well, that's cool. That works. But then players now say, well... I'm putting so much time into my Call of Duty character, into my World of Warcraft character. I played World of Warcraft for a couple of years. Uh, others have played for 10 years, I think 15 years in some cases. And they spent so much time, so much money customizing, building these characters. Even if it's not money, it's time. They've invested, they feel like this character is them. Mm-hmm. They spent so much time on this. So they want ownership. So the idea of Web3 with games is this natural progression of where games have come from to single-player games that you don't really care much about, game over, that's it. So now you've spent 15 years building this thing and you want to own something, you know? So due to the depths of the game, right? This player agency, this customization of the character that you've invented, it'd be like building up a you know, an old car from scratch or something that you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into for years and years and years or whatever your hobby is, putting so much time into it, you know, and then someone just taking it away. But in Web3, you can actually own that. So it's just a natural progression for gaming. That's why there's a current narrative around gaming and crypto kind of going hand in hand or basically the broader Web3 category. I've been talking about it for years and have kind of seen it coming of, this technology just fits this category super well. And I think more people are realizing that. We had a few failures. We had a sort of a play-to-earn movement where you could basically play games and earn money. And that kind of, it shows what was possible, but it wasn't the end-all be-all because it was still about money. Naturally, if you think about games, people play, there's different reasons people play games, but escapism is one of them. You play a game because you're like, oh, I'm so sick of my job. Let me just get out of here for a while and play a game at home or something, right? Um, you're kind of escaping from that normal reality. So when you're reminded of money, you kind of break out of that and go, oh, I probably should get back to work. This is, 
you know, if I'm thinking about money, trying to make money here, I might as well just go work. So that play to earn movement kind of didn't really work too well for that reason, but it did show us what was possible and it brought a lot of attention and interest in gaming at the intersection of gaming and blockchain. So it's a huge category and there's lots of blockchains building for this category, many very successfully, and we'll probably see a lot of innovation over the next year, especially. Games take a long time to build. So there's now some very high quality games coming to Web3. But again, because they take so long to build, some of these games can take, you know, two years, five years, eight years to build really, really high quality games. So it's it's astronomically time consuming and expensive. So, but because of basically blockchain, crypto, and AI, we're democratizing the ability to make games. AIs can now generate basically infinite levels for games, certain types of games. Think of a Candy Crush, right? You could basically, and they are, training an AI to just keep generating levels. You don't even need a human anymore. You can just say, okay, here's the parameters. You've got these little candies. Make 75 more types of them or 75,000 and more levels as well. You know, just keep going. And they they can go even more elaborate than that. They can even make 3D worlds. There's even software out there now that you can, like a two-year-old could literally draw some squiggly lines and they can say, okay, that's the window, that's the door. Okay, make it a beautiful, you know, 3D world. And the AI is so good now that it can take some very minimally designed thing and turn it into something amazing. So we're, we're certainly democratizing that ability to build games, which is good. It was one of the harder things to do. Yeah. So are the big gaming companies worried about it? Are they, how are they reacting to this? Yeah. So I have a bunch of friends that work for some of these big game companies. They all have their strategies. You know, it was just announced, I think, yesterday or the day before that Immutable, one of the chains that it's in Web3 Gaming, partnered with Ubisoft who's done Assassin's Creed and the Tom Clancy games and others to work on games together. So they all have their strategies. Again, it kind of goes back to... So here's what's happening. They all have their strategies. They all have their Web3 strategy, but they're kind of like the banks in crypto. They have their system that's working for them, sort of, um, and they don't really want to change necessarily. Some of them do. There's not, not everybody. Majority don't, but they will. What's going to happen in my view is you'll have your chat GTP moment that I call it. You're going to have some smash hit thing that comes out in gaming with Web3, and then they're all going to go, ah, and there's going to be a million game, million players overnight or more playing some Web3 game. It's already happening, but there's going to be a couple smash hit games, if not just one big one. And they're all going to go, okay, turn on that Web3 strategy, go. <laughs> it's happening. You know, that's kind of, it's just like AI. Think of what happened with AI. Chat GTP popped up. Everyone just fast tracked their AI development. They said, "Okay, go." You know, we got to go. This is ChatGPT's launched. There was others, but they were the one that really brought everyone's attention to the category, right? Uh, for the most part, unless you were already in the AI rabbit hole. But they, everyone went, "Whoa, that's what this does." Okay, yeah, we got to get on, get in on this. Same thing with Web three gaming. This is kind of universal thing that happens in heck, right? Some smash hit comes out and then others go, oh, yeah, we know, now we know it works. Now we can't drag our feet anymore or we're going to blockbuster. And there's going to be blockbusters, don't get me wrong. There's going to be games that just say, nope, we're not doing it. We're fine how we are. You know, go away. And I think eventually they're going to be out innovated. And as the player narrative comes around that, yeah, of course we want to own things. The problem is NFTs kind of got a bad media run because of just prices falling and 
you know, scams and things like that. So that kind of got lumped into gaming of, oh, the players don't want NFTs. And it's like, it's not about NFTs. There's so much more to this than NFTs. This is about the idea of ownership and, you know, democratizing and decentralizing gaming. This is not just, you can't just brush it off as, oh, they don't want NFTs. So the, the idea of ownership is not going away for the reasons I mentioned before about players investing so much time into these games that, of course, they're not going to say, no, I don't. Think about it like this. Ask any gamer, would you, you know, are they going to say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to own anything. I don't want to uh, make any money. I want Blizzard and, and PlayStation to make all the money. No one's going to say that. Nobody. <laughs> Ask a gamer. They're not going to say, no, I love giving all my money to these game studios and, and I, I don't want anything. This just doesn't happen. It's just how, how human nature is, right? Maybe, maybe 1% w- might say that. Mo- vast majority of people are saying, yeah, of course I would like to own my character. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's the principle. It doesn't matter if it's worth 100 bucks or 10,000 bucks. It's the principle of it. You know, I've built this character. The other thing, too, is this is why it's so much more viral than Web 2. In Web 2, no one wears their Counter-Strike skin as their profile picture. No one wears their World of Warcraft, you know, mage as their profile picture. That'd be kind of weird even. It sounds, you know, in Web 3, they say, that's my character. That's me. I'm going to, that's my profile picture. And they will put it on there because it can hold value and, and they feel like it represents them. You see all sorts of people on social media, Twitter, especially X, wearing NFTs, some are games, some are not, but wearing those characters, which is basically what they are. And a lot of times it's like an alter ego of them. They feel like they see themselves in this character. It's, you know, it's a monkey picture with a knife in its mouth and that somehow makes them think of, you know, they're a knife collector or like, you know, whatever the connection is, sailor hat and they were in the Navy or something, you know, whatever, some connection to their real life or some idea they have of themselves in these characters. And they, they want to represent them. They feel part of the club. That's the big difference too, is web two, you're not in any club. You're a customer. You're paying a subscription fee to Blizzard to play World of Warcraft, period. You know, And it costs you more money sometimes to buy other things in certain games. And you're still doing all the work building these characters. The opposite kind of in web three is that you can own a piece of that. You can own some of the, the gold can be a token or the, the character can be a token. So it just flips the whole model on its head completely. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And so I'm curious, how does someone play a game on Web3 versus the 
the old way. So I think of the controllers and, you know, I get, I'm not a gamer. So, you know, again, coming from the dumb question alert, yeah. um, how do you play the games? You know, can anybody go, can I go on my computer right now and go on a game on the internet? Like, how do I access, you know, that kind of stuff? That's the kind of stuff that when I think about yeah. these things, just kind of like, how do I do this? Well, there's a couple of things to think about. You know, it's on a, the first thing is that, yes, it is theoretically possible to host something in a decentralized node where it's not centralized into a centralized server. And you can, there are galas doing this, for instance, Gala Games. They're one of the bigger Web3 game developers and they have nodes, which in theory, the way it would work. And a lot of this, again, this is new technology. Games take a long time, especially whole ecosystems take, take time to come to full realization. But the idea there, the promise is that if they cease to exist because they go bankrupt or, or, you know, whatever, the decentralized nodes could be hosted by us, kind of like a torrent or something could be hosted without any centralized party, if anyone's familiar with those. And you don't need a centralized developer to exist to, for the game to go on. So that's the promise of Web3. Now, on the surface level of where it is now, we're kind of in this Web 2.5 world, where basically the surface level of the game looks like a game, right? It's just playing a game. You're on the internet, you're playing a game. But you might get a tooltip after a while that says, Boom, you know, oh, uh, did you know your character is an NFT and you can take it out, throw it to your wallet whenever you want? Oh, do you realize the gold in the corner here is are tokens and they're accruing in your account and you can take them out to your MetaMask wallet or your ledger whenever you want? So there's kind of bridge happening where we're in this transition zone of teaching people about what these concepts are. You know, there's not a billion players in Web3 gaming yet, you know. So we need to transition people in in a way that's safe and, and comfortable. Some of the problems with blockchain of where it's at now is there's no accounts, right? You don't have a forgot password. You When you own a wallet, you own a, a seed phrase or a private key and you have to secure those somewhere. There are ways to back them up. Ledgers come out with a recovery thing that some people like, some people strongly dislike. That the problem is you can lose your your keys to your wallet and that's it. If you lose them, it's gone. So we're still trying to teach people about what these tools, how to use these, how to use the technology. So that's why this, why I say Web 2.5 is kind of in between where we are in the traditional world and where we are in Web 3 of bridging people over and saying, okay, this is how this stuff works. You've got to think about it differently. It's not a bank safeguarding all your assets. You have to safeguard your assets, you know, for the most part and teaching people how to do that. So there's a transition there. In terms of the actual technology, though, I always tell people it's kind of, I actually don't know how the technology is working of how we communicate right now. I just know what it does, that I can see you, I can hear you, you can hear me, you can see me. We're recording, we're on the internet, it's going to be online, other people can see it. I don't really know exactly how the technical stuff works. I don't really care to that much unless I'm a developer. Kind of for Web3, it's sort of similar. I want to know what it does. What does this do? And that's where I focus a lot of my attention of, okay, what can I do with this NFT or this token? Or, you know, what's the utility behind it? You know, it's ownership or it's, you can stake the asset and earn something or whatever the use case might be on a case-by-case basis is where I focus a lot of my attention. I think when the crypto topic comes up in general, people sometimes get lost in the weeds of how does it work? And I always tell people, do you know how your phone works? Like, (laughs) could you tell me on a technical level how that works? I mean, I can't. I can tell you what it does. It connects to a a Wi-Fi signal or a tower somewhere. 
which pings ping pongs off something else and allows me to FaceTime my mom. <laughs> but I don't know beyond that kind of how it works. I just know what it does. And again, there's categories of people that are developers that might want to know these things, but I'm mainly focused on what it does. And yeah, with gaming, it's idea of ownership and being able to own those assets. And it's always been, it's been talked about for the longest time of in-game gold, right? It's, it really is in-game gold because you can't take it out of the game, but now you can with crypto. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting category and there's a lot of Game developers, big and small, building for this space. They're building everything from blockchain infrastructure to NFT, digital asset infrastructure, and trying to build the right tools, assuming that we're going to have billions of gamers coming into this this space. Yeah, as we saw with the NFT, you know, hype, let's call it, that, that happened in the last couple of years. Now, if you add something more tangible than membership clubs behind it, like a game, it could be even more viral and much more massive. You know, not not to diminish NFT category by any means, but a lot of it's membership clubs and things like that, which is very cool. I'm a part of a lot of them. I get a lot of value from networking. But when you add a game or some playable competitive thing on top of it, the category can grow a lot more. Are there types of games that are more advanced along that than others or types of games that fit the model better or that people have adopted to? Yeah, I mean, I think we started with basic games. We started with very basic, you know, power defense type games, for instance. And now it's transitioned all the way over to 3D shooters and MMORPGs, like Big Time's one of them. Um, We're building a very high quality 3D exploratory RPG game. And there's everything in between. But at its core... Right now, a lot of it is more in the category of DeFi games where, as I mentioned, like a DeFi Kingdoms, for instance, they're driving the adoption to blockchain by having simple games, but games that show you what the Web3 tools do. You know, how to, you can swap your tokens, you can buy on the marketplace, other characters or NFTs or in-game items. So more along the basic category, but that's purely just to do with one education and just the technology has to catch up while we build games taking a long time, right? So we're pretty much at the point now where there's some good options for blockchains that you could do a high throughput, high transaction, high player base game. So we're pretty much there where you could have the next Call of Duty or World of Warcraft that's backed by a blockchain. Everything in theory could be on chain or generally you could have, you know, any kind of transactional you know, your auction house training items or your gold could be on chain. And then the regular playing doesn't necessarily need to be on a chain, but it could be on a, as we talked about before, like a decentralized node or partially. So there's all, it's all there now. And it's just a matter of adoption at this point. And we're seeing it. We're definitely seeing it. We're seeing lots of people coming into the space building and players realizing the benefits as well. Yeah, Gala is interesting. They are. Yeah, they are very interesting. I know them pretty well. They're, uh, I know they've said publicly before, one of their biggest issues is like people losing their seed phrase. <laughs> and I know there's now solutions coming in the seed phrase. Anyone doesn't know is when you create a crypto wallet, you, you, you get a seed phrase. That's like your backup key to access it because there's no forgot password. And yeah, so that's, there's still some technological, it's a human issue and a technological issue, if you want to call it that in a way. It's really just educating people on what you need to know about 
using this technology. You know, that's a good one. You might have to be a little more careful when you're online and how you're dealing with usernames and stuff. Well, there are some other risks along with the technology that you've come across. Yeah, it's like it's the ultimate responsibility in a way, but it's the benefit. You get the benefits out of it too, right? So you have the responsibility and privilege of owning your own assets, your own money, your own crypto, your own whatever. Uh, so that's one side of it. And there's also a risk too that if you lose it, <laughs> it's like cash, right? If you if you lose your cash, you're not getting it back. So and there are solutions that they're proposing in different blockchains. Vitalik, the creator of Ethereum had been talking about various ways to create pieces of keys and like I could give them out to my friends and one key can't be used against me in any way. But if I somehow lose my own, you guys can help me back it up and restore it. So there's different proposals and different solutions people are coming up with. Ledger, it was controversial. This is the problem too, is that most people in their true crypto, you know, believers say that no you really shouldn't it kind of defeats the purpose if you have to have a third party sort of back up your crypto but they there have been people like ledger they make a hardware wallet they have they created something called ledger recover and you can actually back it up they what they do is they use i think it's three third parties and each one needs you only need all the pieces to back it to restore it if you lose your ledger so some people think that's just a, a, a you know a roundabout way of being centralized. Others like it because they feel like it's a security. Others think it's a risk. So there's... And look, I think in the future, we're going to see options like this exist. There's no way to fight it. And people can just choose, do you want the, the ultimate responsibility of having it yourself or would you prefer someone to back it up? Okay. Interesting, interesting. So what would you say is the best way to dip a toe in the industry if you're wanting to gain more knowledge about it? I think as a whole... Well, if you're starting with crypto, I think using it is a big thing. I think if you're, you know, with crypto, it's one thing to read about. It's totally different to use it. So I would always, I tell people, just set up a MetaMask, you know, buy a little bit of crypto. There's, you can actually just buy it with a debit card on MetaMask now. Set up a MetaMask in your web browser, download it, install it, save the passphrases, you know, uh, and buy a little bit, try Uniswap. Try some of these DeFi games. Try some of the tools. You'll learn about how to swap, how to add liquidity, just some of the base, how to buy it, go to OpenSea, buy an NFT. I think just doing it. It's for me anyways, that's always been the thing of just doing it. When I first discovered a lot, a lot of tools I discover, I'll read like half of an article and say, oh, wow, this is really cool. I need to try it. You know, not getting too lost in the, in the weeds of how they market it, but just more, what, what does this do? So I, I would start there. I would use it. I would download, you know, some of these tools, MetaMask for one. And uh, you can eventually upgrade to a Ledger or a Trezor or something like that for a hardware wallet. And for the gaming side, yeah, just just check out some of the Vulcan Forge, DeFi Kingdoms, Gala Games of the world. You know, they have amazing games that use blockchain technology. A couple of them even have their own blockchains, and you can learn, you can play some cool games, but also learn about what's happening in Web three gaming. And at the same time, you're using crypto essentially, and you're using the Web three tools. So that that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, again, it's one thing to read about it, but stuff like this, you got to just use it. It's kind of like people learning about the internet early on. It's like, what is this at symbol? And you know, you remember the old clip of like, what is internet? And it's like, well, just try it. <laughs> just let's just try it, okay? You're just gonna confuse yourself. You know, you can read and read and read and read, but eventually, just try it, and you're gonna probably learn a lot faster. That's me, anyways. I've always been hands on, but I understand people want to. You, you can go to the coin desks of the world and read the latest. Uh, 
crypto stuff, you know, CoinDesk, Cointelegraph, The Defiant, things like that. You can get some some news kind of stuff, but you really just got to get your hands on it, I think, to see what's really going on. And there's, you know, Twitter is a minefield, <laughs> good and bad. You can, there's a lot of crypto and Web3 people on Twitter, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It comes with its own, uh, you know, issues. But yeah, I, I would just start trying, start using some of these things. I'm looking forward to, you know, the NFT thing, like I agree with you, got this really, really bad rap. And yeah. I listened to a, a podcast was Freakonomics. Mm. Stephen Dubner was talking about some of the stuff that some of the use cases for NFTs. And he was talking like about airline tickets, for example, yeah. and how useful something like that would be for people and how easy it would be to use something like that or, or even Taylor Swift tickets. You know, something along those lines would be much easier than the system that we have now. And mm. I thought it sounded great, mm. honestly. But I, you know, again, I'm, you know, kind of like you said, I have not dipped my toe in it. So I don't know what that hat does on the internet. So I don't know what the hat does on the Web3 stuff or any of the crypto things. So yeah. I agree with you that you need to dip your toes. That's the only way you can really learn. Well, and that's an interesting category and topic right there is uh, identity, let's call it, or any kind of verification of a ticket, for instance, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, we've all heard of like the scalper that's selling like a fake ticket or something. You give them two grand and you know, you think you're going to the Super Bowl and then you get there and they say, this is a real ticket, buddy. And so with a blockchain, you can verify things. And there's tools that work on top of the blockchains now. I forget the name of some of them, but they work for t- tickets specifically. And digital identity is another very big topic. You know, think of like the kid that makes a fake ID, right? That doesn't happen on blockchain. You, you know, you can't. If if I have a, we have ENS domains, but there's other implementations of identity as well. But if I have an ENS domain of Bob.eth, that's it. There's one Bob.eth. That's it. That's the only Bob, you know. And in theory, in the future, they could create driver's license or passports. Some countries are actually, but United States or other countries could do this. And that's your, that's the ID for you. And that's the only one that exists. And if you don't have access to sign that transaction, it's not you. And, you know, you can make tools to make it easier and store it digitally or whatever. But the idea of hacking or, you know, copying is just not going to happen because it's on chain. It's provable who owns it and who doesn't and who has access to it. So as long as we have the right tools to support those things, it's actually way better. Even things like house deeds or car titles, you know, would be so much better on chain. Why do we have a, it's 2023. Why do cars have these pink slips that you can just sign over with a pen? What? What is this? Doesn't make any sense. You, you know, I actually don't even know if that's still a thing, but I assume it is. <laughs> but same with, with lots of contracts and other documents that, you know, it's old school still. And we're in, you know, we're past that. So this technology can do a lot for assets of any kind, physical or digital. And identity, I think, too, is, is a good one. Yeah. I really think that you're onto something with the games. I think that would be something that I think would probably, like you said, if it goes viral, that would be something that would really help crypto become a lot more mainstream. And I think that's really probably where it needs to really get because it. you thought, I mean, there was a lot of conversation, of course, especially on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. you know, in 2020, 2021, 2022 about, you know, crypto was coming for everybody's wallet and mm. it didn't quite happen that way. And I agree with you. I think that something like gaming, I think, could be really something that could really, you know, increase broad spectrum adoption, you know, even for, you know, techno idiots like me. So gaming is huge. People don't realize more people 
play games than watch TV and film combined. And it's bigger as a category than TV, film, and music. So it's an astronomically big space. Gaming, in a broad sense, of everything from casual to you know, hardcore games is a very, very big category. We're talking about billions with a B of people playing games. So yeah, it's a very big category. And yeah, it's, uh, like I said, things like Ethereum were built. Literally the analogy of Vitalik creating Ethereum was his World of Warcraft character was nerfed and they took away the spell. He got pissed and he said, "Eh, I'm going to build Ethereum. And he went and built Ethereum and a lot of the concepts, some literal, there's literally something called soulbound tokens on the Ethereum ecosystem. It's a term from gaming. It means it's fixed to your wallet and you can't transfer it. And there's many other concepts that are very analogous of games and the way that game worlds are designed and created. So yeah, not only that it just happens to fit, it's just that this was created by basically a gamer. And now we see a lot of games going, wait a second, this is this is better than the previous world. And if you believe in the idea of not, only, not just decentralization, but if we go on the trajectory we were going with a lot of things, 10 companies are going to own the whole planet. You know, it's already the argument that BlackRock, well, it might be great that they're doing ETFs for crypto, there's the, a counter argument that they're going to own half of the real estate on, on the earth in, in the next 10 years and maybe already do. So if you want there to be these giant monopolies, keep going the way we are. If you want the idea that we, the people, can own some stuff <laughs> as well, you probably want to bet on crypto, Web3, and this kind of idea of decentralization a bit. Well, all I know is that if you guys, if the Web3 community developed a FIFA game, my daughter would be all in. <laughs> uh, I believe there are some uh, some games in that category coming. So She would be all uh, in. She's uh, all about that game. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like horse racing and stuff now where there's there's definitely some sports kind of category stuff. The NBA Top Shop did a run at that. And a few others are realizing there's potential here. And just try, they're just trying to figure out exactly what the, the perfect use case is, but they know that there is something. So it's just about each kind of game and company figuring out their move. But like I said, there's got, mark my words, there will be that chat GDP moment where some game, go, people go, whoa, where'd that come from? And, and wow, they're using NFTs and crypto and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and now everyone's playing it. And oh, activate our strategy, go. <laughs> um, that will happen. That's cool. That was fun talking about Web3 gaming and crypto and NFTs and really interesting. And it's a great time to, for anyone that doesn't know as well, there's a lot happening on the crypto side broadly as well. Just narratives and all these layer twos and additional blockchains coming that open up so many new use cases. And there's lots of even institutional investor interest with these. There's ETFs coming for Bitcoin, which basically means you can just buy Bitcoin and Ethereum eventually when they are approved on the stock market, which makes it more accessible to a wider range of people and, and safer in a sense for some category of investors. So no, just, just super excited about everything happening. That's cool. All right. So where could people find more about you and what you have going on? Cause you, you got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. BrianDEvans.com or Twitter, same handle, Brian D. Evans, probably the easiest way to stay in touch. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brian, 
Thank you very much for joining us today and enduring my dumb questions. I appreciate uh-huh. you being so kind. No and, dumb questions. <laughs> and we really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk to us and help educate our listeners more about crypto and, and gaming and Web3 and everything that's coming. It's, it sounds really exciting. And I'm kind of excited to learn more about it and see how everything is going to evolve over time. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with the margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 